0: So we've been looking at how we go deeper with God. Just a quick recap. First, we said love's got to be our motivation. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we want to go deeper in that relationship with Jesus Christ, it comes out of love. If we don't have love, we have nothing, the Bible says. And so it's through love that we begin that relationship, that, that, that intimacy, that that can grow with Jesus. Then we have to remove all the barriers, Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we need to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. If we're going to run the race with Jesus, if we want to grow in our relationship with Him, then we need to remove the barriers that are stopping that growth. Sin, which entangles us, and the things that hinder us in our relationship, two different things. Oops, go back one. Oop. There. Then we recognize that he has already given us everything we need. He's given us everything we need to go deeper in our relationship. It's already yours, it's already mine. We don't have to ask for it because he's given it to us. It's ours. When he died on the cross, when he rose again, he set it aside for us. And he said, David, here you go. Here's everything that you need for life in all its fullness, abundant life, and godliness, a perfect relationship with him. And we explored what that means through our knowledge of him, through our different mindset with him, how we see things in a spiritual light rather than a fleshly light, and so on. So we've, He's given us everything we need to go deeper in our relationship with Him, to keep on going down and down and down in that relationship, more and more intimacy. And then last week we looked at verse 4, which says this, Through, these, through His glory and His goodness, He's given us these very great and precious promises. How do we access? How do we access all the things that He's laid aside for us? And we said last week that it's through his promises. And I gave you a, a sheet of 60 promises. How many are up to date with those trying to remember those promises? Good. A few of you. How many are being honest today in church? Yes, good. So don't, don't beat yourself up, okay? Like if, if you miss a day or, you know, you lag behind or you just can't make it stick, we're full of grace and freedom. Amen? So we just keep working on it, keep learning those promises. Because he said it's through those promises, he's given us his great precious promises, 7,000 plus promises in the scriptures. Through them, you may participate in the divine nature. So we have a nature more like Jesus Christ, having escaped the corruption. So it's a, a positive and, a, and a, a kind of a negative side to it. A positive side that it helps us grow in our Relationship in our knowledge, in our character of Jesus, but it also helps us to recognize where things that may get in the way, the sin that easily entangles us, we can see that a lot easier. If we continue to learn those promises, make those promises, meditate on those promises, make them part of who we are. But then Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, under the guidance of God, he gives us a second way in a sense, a more complete way about how we can access all the things that God has set aside for us. You see, there's a danger. If all we ever do is learn the promises, there is a real danger of this, that actually we just come to God with the promise. Let me explain what I mean number of years ago, my uh, one of my sons he was in a relationship with a girl, girlfriend, boyfriend, and it was my son 's birthday, and his girlfriend gave to him what I think was one of the nicest gifts you can ever give. She gave him a book of promises she'd written out, she sat down, and she thought, and she said, "I promise." I will cook you a meal, your favorite meal. Tell me what you want me to cook. There it is. Promise number two. I promise I will go and pay for you to go with me to the movie of your choice. And it was a book full of promises like that for my son. I thought it was really neat. So all he had to do was to rip off any of these promises. One at a time, it was about, I don't I can't remember now, 10 promises or something like that. And he would say, I'm cashing in my promise. I want the meal. Let's arrange the date. And she agreed that she would cook him a meal and they would organize it and then she would cook. I'm cashing in. There's this film I want to see. I know it's not one of your kind of films. So we don't need to have an argument about this because I'm cashing in my promise. It's my kind of film. You promised you would go with me and be happy. You know, I'm cashing it in. And so on, these promises. And there is a danger if we just learn the promises of God, that all we end up doing is we go to God and we say, God, remember your promise? I'm cashing that one in right now. Thank you very much. You imagine the kind of relationship my son would have had with his girlfriend if the only communication he had with her was he phoned her up or texted her and say, hey, I want to cash in promise number five now. They didn't talk at any other point in the year. All they did was that he would just phone her up every time he wanted a promise cashed in. Now, what kind of relationship do you think that would have been? How long would that relationship have lasted? Well, it wouldn't. she can forget this. I'm not, I'm not cashing in these anymore. Like, what are you doing? You see, the promises come under a larger relationship. And Peter describes now how we can have that bigger relationship. It doesn't negate the promises. The promises are a powerful tool that God has given to us. But they need to be used in conjunction with the relationship in conjunction with going deeper and deeper. So I don't just come to God and say, God, here's a promise. You know, I'm feeling uh, separated from you. You've promised never to leave me or forsake me. Now show up in my life. God, I need this healing in my life. You've promised me that by your scars I'm healed. I'm going to claim this promise right now. You can't. If we do that, if that's the limit of what our relationship, we're not going to go deeper with God. within the relationship, as the relationship goes deeper, so the promises become more and more powerful, but they become part of who we are, not just something that we learn. Look at what he says. Oh, you see, God, God wants first to be father and second to be king. You know that? Let me say that again. God wants first to be father and second to be king sometimes we get that mixed up sometimes we treat God like king he's just the promise giver so I just go to him because he's the all powerful and he can supply all my needs according to his riches in glory he doesn't want that he wants first to be my father he wants to be my dad look Jesus said this is to Mary Magdalene this is after he rose from the dead Right? And, and he hadn't yet gone up into heaven, and Mary meets him in the garden. You remember the story? The what he says. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Now notice the way he says it. Which comes first? Father. Because he wanted Mary to know that first and foremost is the Father. The Father is God. But I'm not going to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Right? He wants them to know. Father first. The Father is God. But it's about the relationship. Go to the Father. Let's read in Second Peter. He says, For this very reason... So he's saying this is the way in which we grow in our relationship with the father. All these things in the previous verse or verses. Because if we possess these in increasing measure and he uses a double negative, let's put it into the positive. If we if we have more of those characteristics in our lives, we will become increasingly effective and productive for Jesus Christ and for our Father, right? He's saying we're going to become even more as we grow deeper in our relationship with God. So we will become more and more effective and productive in our our life and in our ministry or in God's ministry through us. So how, how do we grow? How do we do this? Well the first one it says for this very reason maybe I'll go this way oh no let me go backwards sorry come on go back there you go for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith what? what you got to add first? what is it? add to your faith? goodness. First thing we have to do is add to your faith is goodness. Now these are all part of a big kind of picture together, right? So you can't just do goodness, blah, 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 They all work together. We know that. We recognize that. But let's look at these. Today I want to focus on goodness. What does it mean to add to your faith goodness? Well, the first thing we have to assume is that you have faith, Right? I'm assuming here that you belong to Jesus Christ, that you have faith. I'm I'm using that as an assumption. If you don't, you need to come and talk to me afterwards, right? And then then we'll pray and ask God to, to give you that faith and trust in Him and start that relationship. So this is for the believer. He's saying, once you're a believer, once you have faith, you need to add goodness to it. Add that goodness Into your faith. Now, what is goodness? Well, goodness is faith in action. Do you remember I said in the previous verse when it talked about God's glory and goodness? God's glory is His inner qualities, His goodness is that qualities laid out, what He does with them, how He reveals them to you and to me. The goodness that we need to show is our faith in action, right? That's what goodness really is. How do you trust God? You trust God, and so because you trust God, you show that trust throughout your life. Whoops, I keep clicking too far. Hang on, let me go back one. John fourteen twenty three, Jesus replied, If anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. That's goodness. If you love God, your goodness shines out. Your obedience to what he wants you to do shines out. It's not that there's a set of rules and regulations that you just have to follow. That's not goodness. You don't have to be good to follow the speed limit. That's just the law, and if you get caught speeding, you know, it's because you've broken the rules. Goodness is your character showing itself in loving ways, it's the obedience that comes out of that character within you. Anyone who loves me, The love comes first, will obey my teaching. It's not just obedience to Jesus' teaching he wants. It's that obedience that comes out of love. And the greatest example of that, of course, is Jesus himself. In Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, your relationship with one another, in your relationships with one another, having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first thing where we need goodness, the first thing, the first attribute where you can see goodness is in your attitude. Philippians, it says, Your attitude, your mindset should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was Jesus' attitude? His attitude was always focusing on what can be with God's help and power and resources. Jesus never focused on what is. He focused on what can be. In very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Why not? God, Jesus was up there in heaven. He had absolutely everything. But that's not what he focused on. He focused on what could be. He looked at you and me, saw how we were struggling and said, I need to go and do something. I need to go and do something with these people so, I can, so they can be something other than what they are. So he, he came down, he humbled himself, he lived his life, he died on the cross in obedience to the Father. Why? So he was then exalted into the heaven. He knew what could be. He looked to the future. And Jesus calls you and me to do the same thing. Are you following this? When you look at yourself or you look at others, what do you see? Do you see what is or do you see what can be? You see, Jesus, Holy Spirit, will always look at you and look at others and see what can be. Why has He set aside all these precious promises and gifts for us? Because He knows what we can be if only we access them. He knows. And he sees and he constantly sees, and he constantly, his attitude, his focus is what you can be in Jesus Christ with the power of the Spirit working through you. Do you see limitations or do you see potential? When you think about yourself, what do you see? Do you see limitations or do you see potential? When you think about someone else, do you see limitation or do you see potential? Your attitude needs to be the same. Goodness within you starts in the mind with your attitude. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who sees potential all the time. God looks at you and he sees what you can be. And so he gives you everything you need to get there at the life of Jesus. What does he do when he meets people? He sees what they can be. He sees a blind man and he says, I can see what he could be. He can have his sight. He sees a leper that's outside of society. I can see what he can be by bringing healing into his life. He sees his disciples, fishermen and tax collectors. He said, I can see Peter. You need to leave the fishing business because you're going to be fishing for men. I can see what you're going to be. I see the potential within you. You don't know how to do that yet. You don't even know what I'm talking about yet. James and John, fishers of men. Peter, you're going to be the rock. You were Simon the Reed, but I see Peter. Saul, I see as Paul. Paul. You see, Jesus sees. Abraham, I see as Abraham. Sarah, I see as Sarah. I see what you can be in the future. This is what, and I'm going to give you everything to get there, if you'll only access it. It starts with us. You want goodness? You want to start adding goodness into your life? Start looking at people in the way God looks at them. Stop looking at their limitations and look at their potential. Choose. It's a choice that you have. Start looking at people the way the Holy Spirit starts looking at or looks at us. First thing is in your mind, your attitude. Second thing is this. The second thing is your speech. You ever said something that you regretted? I'm sure you're not the only one. There's four of us. Good. I heard about this guy. What's his name? Kondrati Ryalev, I think. Something like that. Years ago, in 1800s, he was sentenced to be hanged because he led an unsuccessful uprising against Russian Tsar Nicholas I. And he had the noose around his neck and they opened the trap door underneath him. And as he fell... The rope broke and he just snapped and he fell down to the ground and he got up and he laughed and he said, in Russia, they don't even know how to do anything properly. In Russia, they can't even make a proper rope to hang a guy. Well, an accident like that usually means that it's a sort of the will of God, and so they pardon the individual. So they took these words to Saint Nicholas, and Saint Nicholas said, "What did he say?" He said, "Sir, in Russia they don't even know how to make a rope properly." He said, "Well, let's just prove to him that he's wrong." And so they found another rope and they rehung him. That's the time where you keep your mouth shut. But you know, our mouths speak out what's inside all the time. Luke 6, 43 to 45, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings up good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. You want to know if you're growing in goodness? Watch what you say. Are you thankful? Or are you a complainer? Are you an encourager? Or are you a criticizer? What is it? I challenge you this week to go about and at the end of each day when you get home, think about the things you said. Is there goodness coming out of a good heart? Or are you constantly negative towards the people around you, the situations you find yourself in? Because your heart is negative. Which is it? Examine your heart. Search me and know me, O oh Lord. Know my inmost thoughts. Ask God to reveal to you. And again, it's a choice. I remember in our art class when I was young, there used to be a a label, a, a quote above the blackboard. They had blackboards in those days, didn't they? Engage brain before operating mouth. That's what it said. Don't know where it came from. But it's good advice for us all. How many times have we engaged mouth before operating brain? Too many. And things slip out and we regret them. Think about your mouth. What are you saying? Is goodness coming out of you? Or is it coming, bad fruit coming out? You see, you can choose. Choose to build up or choose to tear down. You know, in Matthew, it's even more powerful. Matthew 12, he says this. Jesus says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Powerful word, didn't it? Jesus is saying, you know, when you stand before the Father, your words will either acquit you for what you've done in life because we'll see the goodness flowing out, or they'll condemn you because we see the bad fruit flowing out. That's why James talks so much about the mouth, while Jesus talks so much about the mouth, while Paul talks so much in the Scriptures about the mouth. Choose. Choose. Choose to be an encourager. Choose to be someone who is thankful. Let your mouth speak forth the good fruit of goodness. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we come into church and we sing praises to God. What a beautiful name, what a beautiful name. And then we go outside and we run out of milk or it's too hot or something happens and we're like, yup, 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 yep, yup. Right? Somebody gets the last bit of coffee, yup, dip, 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 And you just think, oh, what are we doing? You know? Because it comes out of here, doesn't it? Out of our hearts. Our hearts. We choose. Choose your words. Choose to be an encourager in your places of work, in your homes. You know, one of the greatest investments you can give into your children is to encourage them. Just keep encouraging them. Encourage, encourage, encourage. Build them up. Bible says it over and over again 1 Thessalonians 5 says this 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just in fact you are doing Ephesians 4 just back a couple verse 29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit the one who listens. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and goodness. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Build each other up. People around you, be an encourager to them. Show your faith, your goodness revealed through your mouth. What do your work colleagues think about Jesus Christ because of what you say to them? What, what do your friendship think about Jesus Christ because of how you say how you speak to them you see if we keep encouraging people if we keep building people up even when they irritate us we say no I'm going to keep encouraging you I'm going to keep building you up why because that is what I want to show of Jesus Christ that is the character of Jesus I want to show you as you seen me you've seen the father so we encourage people we build them up we lift them up we spur them on that's why then we can draw people people are drawn towards Jesus Christ because they say hey if this guy is so encouraging under this kind of stress that's something I need in my life I want to be someone like that too you know what it's like when a complainer walks into the room everybody's like oh it's them again When you have an encourager walking into the room, what happens? Everybody's going, ah, a breath of fresh air has come into this place. You see the difference? That's what you add to your faith, goodness. And The last thing is this, we need to show it. Edmund Burke, back in the 1700s, said, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil... It's for good people to do nothing. We need to show the goodness. Goodness is faith in action. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. You know when you're baking something or you're making something, you add something in, don't you? When I'm making a fruitcake at home, Or some bread. It says, add, you know, I'm there with the bread instructions for the bread machine. Add one teaspoon, big teaspoon of milk, powdered milk. I I even know the recipe off by heart. 500 grams of white flour, you know, and so on. The little tray you fill up with raisins and you put the cinnamon on top. Big load of butter, 350 mils of water and so on, right? Add. It's no good me reading it and going, well, that's kind of personal to me. I don't think I'm going to add it. I'm not going to do it. I remember one time we made bread and then we went out and we thought we were going to come home to some nice bread, but we forgot to add the water. At the bottom of the thing was this baseball, this size. (laughs) Because we didn't add it. It was in the instruction sheet, but we didn't add it. And because we didn't add it, it didn't impact it, didn't mean, it meant that everything else didn't work properly. You've got to add it. You've got to make it part of your life. We can sit here today and talk about our minds, talk about our, our, our speech, talk about our actions of goodness. But if we don't put them into practice, what good is it? We come Sunday by Sunday, but if we don't do it on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and so on, then it's no good at all. You need to put it into practice in your lives. One of the key characteristics of people seeing Jesus Christ in you is your goodness. Why do you think it's first in the list? Add to your faith goodness. I want you to find someone. Go, go find someone right now. Partner up. It can be somebody you know or somebody you don't know. Go find someone. Go stand next to them. Ronnie, you two. Go find someone. And grab someone next to you. Everybody? Right. Just two of you, not threes. Everybody got in a pair? Okay. Everybody's in a pair with someone, yeah? Okay. Yes? Right. I want you now... You're wondering what I'm going to do. I can feel so much tension in the church right now. I want you now to turn and look at one another. Face to face. You might want to stand and do that. Elaine Hamilton, you're in a three. I said no threes. You can come here with me. There's always one that doesn't follow instructions. Is the desk not here? Okay, you can do this with me. Hey, you can do it with Tina. Tina's out there. It's okay. Okay, there you go. I want you, just in silence now, I want you to look at one another. And you're going to do this, no laughing either, all right? You're going to do this for uh, one minute, just to look at one another, Right? Look at them, all right? None of this side-to-side glance in business, all right? Move your seats around a bit so you can properly see each other. Just look, look at each other in silence for one minute. okay was that a relief when I said okay yes you're right <laughs> scary isn't it now I'm finished yet now I want you to say something encouraging to that person starting with the person that's closest to this wall over here if you can and then the person responding here you've got 30 seconds to say some things that are encouraging but I want you to think first about what you say Don't just, you can say something that is just really peripheral. Or you can say something that is deep. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. Maybe actually first, let's just pray. Lord, we ask right now that as we share with one another, that you would reveal to us what you want us to say to your son or your daughter, that we might be a spokesperson for you into their lives this morning. Out of our goodness, may it flow, may your spirit flow through me into them. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Now one person, and then the other one can respond afterwards. Okay, have you both spoken? How did you feel? Affirmed. Good. You know, you could have said something just superficial. I like your hair. Well, you couldn't say that to me, but anyway, you know? Or you could have, see, you didn't have to look, really. You could have looked, but not looked. You know what I mean? You could have looked into the face, but not really looked. You kind of look beyond it. You look around it. And then you say something that's just, or you could really look. You can see the scars. You can see the joys. You can see life's journey in someone's life. And then you can affirm them in that journey. Encourage them in that journey. Build them up in that journey. Reveal the goodness of God into their lives for that journey. That is what Jesus Christ wants for you and for me. You see, then when we go to the promises of God, they have the context in which they become incredibly powerful. When you then give the promise of God into someone's life, out of that goodness, they become life-changing promises because they come out of love and out of genuineness and out of a heart that truly is serving and sharing and being a channel of God's spirit to one another. It was interesting how husbands and wives or close found it more difficult than (laughs) other people sometimes, but you know? But can you imagine the difference God's church would be if that is what we did all the time? I'm going to set a challenge from now on. That no one, no one comes into this sanctuary on a Sunday in the 11 o'clock congregation and doesn't leave without someone building them up. Without someone showing goodness into their lives. Can you do that? That means you've got to look around you and see people. You've got to see and think, Who, hey, may, maybe they haven't, let me go say something to them, something encouraging, something affirming into their lives today. So don't just say yes without thinking about it. It means we have to have that mindset that says, you know what? I'm going to be looking around, I'm going to, I'm going to see the positive in people. And I'm going to make sure that no one walks in here on a Sunday and leaves without having the goodness of God planted in their lives. You imagine what this church would be like if everybody did that. Sometimes I come and I go on a Sunday and not one person says an encouraging word to me. Right? Now, if that's me as the minister. Imagine what it's like for everybody else. I'm sure there have been weeks after weeks where you have come into this church and you have left. You've worshipped God, but you've left without anybody saying something encouraging to you. True? Yes? Hands up if that's not true for you. I'm sure everybody, everybody has. We need to change that. We need to add to our faith goodness. You know the problem? The problem is that we've been sold a lie that says my faith is just about me and God. It's rubbish. I stomp on that in the ground right now. My faith is about sharing. Faith without works is dead. You cannot come to church and worship without it affecting all of us without all of us needing to be built up, without all of us needing to receive the goodness of God. So let's, let's make a commitment today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask today, we commit today together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, it's my responsibility, each one of our responsibilities, that no one will come into this sanctuary into your house and leave without being affirmed. We'll leave without the goodness of God being encouraged and built up in their lives. Lord, help us to change our mindsets to see potential and not limitations. Help us to change our mouths so that we speak encouragement that we speak thanksgiving, that we speak your word into one another so that everybody who comes here will receive through me, through my brothers and sisters from you. May no one from this day forward ever come to this 11 o'clock family and not receive a word of encouragement may not receive goodness that comes from faith. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we gather together now around your table. Feed us with your bread. Feed us with your wine. Feed us with your body. Feed us with your blood. And Lord, as we come and we kneel at your table, we remember what it cost you, Jesus. You didn't consider equality with God something to be hung on to, but you humbled yourself. You became nothing. You became a baby, dependent on, on humanity to protect you and to feed you and to nurture you. And Lord, you went to the cross because you believe in the potential that is within us. As we eat and drink, may we realize that for ourselves, that you have such good things for us, plans to prosper us and give us a hope and a future, because you know the potential you've placed in us. You never see limitations. You only see what can be. May we be the same. So Lord, we thank you for your invitation to your table today. And we break bread and we drink wine, giving thanks to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.